Good evening. Today is Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. We are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is um, are the traditions and our speaker tonight is Kim G. Thank you, Kim. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm having problems with my video. So you're going to get to intermittently see my cute dogs that passed away this time last year. So every time I have to switch off to the picture, it's getting me a little sentimental here. Um, but my name is Kim G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey Intergroup. So it's the intergroup right outside Philadelphia. Um, I've been in OA since 1994 and I've been abstinent and recovered since January of 2011. So you can see there's quite a bit of difference there. And I have to say for me personally, the difference is the big book. You know, um, I personally, I disre disrespected a 12-step program and treated it like a diet program with group support. I disrespected a 12-step program and treated it like a tool only program. And I disrespected a 12-step program by basically my program being people's opinions and slogans. Um, and when I truly became a student of this big book, um, and I understood what I suffered from, suddenly the necessity of two through 12 became absolutely imperative. Um, and I have to say, I'm a little bit nervous tonight. I, I'm someone that speaks a lot about the first 164 pages, but I don't speak a lot about the traditions. So I, I am a little bit nervous about this. So I kind of you know, went into some, to do some 10, 11 work and some prayer work. And what I decided to do was just to take the long form, which is on page 563 through 566, and just kind of reflect on it because, you know, I, I even say this about the big book. You know, when I saw the 12 steps on the wall, you know, um, it was kind of like in high school when they told us, to, you know, I you read War and Peace and write a book report on it. And I get the cliff notes and I write the book report on it and get a C, get pissed off. Well, I haven't read the book, right? So I think it's sometimes good to look at that long form as opposed to the short form of the traditions. And, and what I did was I really just tried to um, reflect on it. What does it mean in this new virtual environment we have where we're forming all these Zoom meetings and, and virtual service positions and stuff like that? And, you know, I don't think they could have, Bill or Bob could have envisioned a Zoom meeting in 1934 when the, you know, or I think the 5052 is when the traditions were written. So I just kind of went through the long form, kind of reflected about what my experience is. Um, so what I'm going to share is not teaching. It's not right or wrong with the tradition. It's just my own reflections. Um, it might piss some people off what I'm saying, but I hopefully it will, you know, maybe get some discussions about, you know, what, what, you know, what you feel, what your experience has been with the traditions. Um, so I'm going to start on page 563. So tradition one, um, it says each member of AA is but a small part of a great whole. AA must continue to live or most of us will surely die. So that seems a little bit more strong than, you know, personal recovery depends upon AA unity. They're really letting us know that my survival is based on OA surviving. You know, I, I've, I always remember this little thing I used to hear in intergroup, you know, the steps would, would prevent suicide, the traditions prevent homicide, and the concepts pre concepts prevent genocide. So this, the traditions are really how we interact within the group. So to understand that, yes, my my individual recovery is very important, but it's the, the um, longevity of OA as a whole that it has to be um, a real priority too. Um, and the, uh, Tradition two, for our group conscious, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in his group conscience. And I have to say, I do struggle with this with Zoom. I mean, my home group has 180 people. Like to have a business meeting with 180 people just seems insane. 
Um, and one of the things that I learned from going to AA meetings is a lot of AA meetings, their group conscience, you have to be sober for a certain amount of time and you have to have your dues current. So that's one of the things that I have, we have started to do in this, in the Zoom, not the, not the, um, the dues part, but when we have business meetings, it's the people who are the service leaders, you know, for us to include every single person just isn't, uh, isn't, um, it's just not practical, but also too, I don't really want people that are drunk voting on stuff in the meeting. You know, I don't want somebody that has come to the meeting once and I've had that happen. I don't know about you all, but I've definitely been in meetings where somebody's come in, they've never been to the meeting before and they want to call a business meeting because they're offended by something and they want to change everything. So I just think that's good that, you know, how did, how is God's going to express himself in group conscience if people aren't even connected to their higher power? So to really think about, you know, in this virtual environment, how do we have group consciences? How do we have business meetings? Um, tradition three always hits me a lot because when you hear the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. I have to say, you know, I was a member of OA for many years and suffered immensely. I had the desire and I have to tell you, it was more the desire to stop suffering than the desire to stop eating. But I like the long form. It says our membership ought to include all who suffer from alcoholism. Hence, we may refuse. Hence, we may refuse none who wish to recover. So that's that's a big statement. Are we making clear to the newcomers what it means to be a real compulsive overeater? Or are we just saying, okay, you want to you want to diet? Come on in. You know, if you you're fat, come on in. If you're throwing up, come on in. Are we really explaining to people what a way was formed for, you know, that do you have the allergy body? Do you have the mental twist? You know, diets do work, decrease your calories, increase your exercise. You're going to lose weight. And I think it's an important service for us to let people know if they're, if they don't need what we offer and then it's all who wish to recover. That's a tough one too. What about the people who just want to sit there and bitch and moan, don't want to do the steps, don't want, you know, they're, they're very attached to the disease. How do we handle that in a meeting? I mean, we're going to talk about that later in Tradition 5, but are, is our format set up to support disease? Is our format set up to support recovery? You know, I, I remember um, this was, you know, years ago, my mom's in OA and my home group was Sunday morning. My mom's home group was Monday nights. And I heard, overheard some girls talking and they were saying that they were all in relapse and they were saying how much they love that Monday night meeting because nobody makes them do anything. They can go there and they can just bitch and complain and nobody bothers them. And somebody's public goes, don't go to that Sunday meeting because they're going to make you do something. And I was actually proud of that because I think a healthy Overeaters Anonymous meeting it's kind of good to make people who are suffering feel a little bit uncomfortable so that they know, hey, we're here to, we have a solution. I and mean, the point of coming here is not to kvetch, it's to how, let us show you how to recover. So that third tradition is really different. We do not turn anyone away. Anyone can be a member, but are we being clear about what it means to be a compulsive overeater? And are we being clear that our purpose is to help people recover from this disease, not just to support people while they're in the, in the disease? I always heard that saying, you know, um, don't leave before the miracle happens or something like that. The miracle happened. You're in an OA meeting. What are you going to do about it now? I, I just think that's that's so important for us to, to, to do. Um, Tradition four, with respect to its own affairs, each AA group should be responsible for no other authority than, than their own conscience. Our common welfare is paramount. 
So this is where we each can have our own, each meeting can have its own tenor. And I have to say, you know, like I, I get uncomfortable with some meetings formats, but I have no right to change them. You know, I think of this, there were groups I heard about years ago called the moderate mealers. They just, every, everything's about trying to moderate your binge foods. That makes me very uncomfortable, but they have a right to have that that way. I just don't give my energy to a meeting like that. Um, uh, one of the things um, too, with this new virtual environment, um, I had started a step one work workshop. It was monthly. And we actually called World Service because we're like, we're not associated with our inner group. Is there anything that we have to do with, is it is it against traditions? People want to put this flyer on other inner groups. And they basically told us as long as we're adhering to um, the traditions, as long as we're adhering to using OA approved literature, we didn't need to be associated with an inner group. And that it, that we would, it's, you know, if, if somebody asks, we can let them know we're not associated, but they don't have any problem with anyone posting those those um, those uh, things to that. Um, I also run closed workshops and I had talked to some people about that. And, and the reason it's closed is because for me personally, like I love my home group, but it's 180 people. It often feels like a podcast, you know, and I'm, I, I'm craving that interaction. So what I did was I, I created groups about studying step one, one studies step 10, 11, one goes through the steps. And I try to keep it to under 20 people so we can have active, active discussions. So I get a little bit more control with that. Um, but it's like, you know, what, what, what's the purpose of the meetings? We can, we can have that. And, it's, and having a closed meeting is absolutely fine, right? So we have so many options. I mean, I, I've studied a lot about Clarence Snyder in who um, was the gentleman who started AA in Cleveland. And that's what they did. They did a lot of small groups because as they were growing so quickly, they were having groups you know, people take them, people through the steps with groups. We have a wonderful opportunity with that. You know, if you're at a meeting and you don't have time to, uh, to you know, to take on a, a sponsee 101, if you have some new people in January and they're all confused about what it means to be a compulsive reader, be willing to take three or four of them, throw up a meeting. Think of it like going to a coffee shop after a meeting, you know, um, and then doing that. So we have so many more options and each meeting gets to define what that is for them. Um, step uh, tradition five, each meeting has one primary purpose, that of carrying the message that the alcoholic still suffers. Again, that's another thing that I think we can stop. Is that what my meeting is doing? How is my meeting format? Am I supporting recovery or am I supporting disease? You know, um, is, 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 you know, with all these Zoom bombers, are we protecting people from, from feeling safe and sharing in the rooms? Are we utilizing the chat room? You know, are we are we focused on OA literature or are we just focused on it on, you know, a topic and we're or, or even if we have literature is is the sharing on the literature or are people going off on tangents? You know, I call them the dead cat meetings where it's just like ee, ee, and like the people are just complaining about their day. You know, how can we support recovery? Um, this is for me again. I believe I believe strongly in having abstinence requirements for service positions in a meeting, you know, um, we, we, my meeting, anyone can read the steps, the traditions, but if you're a moderator, you have to have six months of abstinence and have been all through, through all 12 steps. If you're a speaker, you have to have that same requirement. I know in my inner group, one of the frustrations is you don't have to be abstinent to be an inner group rep. But for my meeting, we have to be abstinent to, to be an inner group rep because I don't want drunk people making, making decisions on that. You know, I, I think to myself, I had a sponsee that was in AA, um, I think like four or five years, she was in AA and NA. 
And her first OA meeting she came to, and the woman who was leading the meeting said she'd been in OA for 20, 20 years. <clears throat> she had two weeks of abstinence, was morbidly obese. And the, and the girl was like, why are they allowing her to lead the meeting? Why isn't somebody with longer absence leading the meeting in her head? And after the meeting, I don't know what happened during the meeting, but the girl came up to her and gave her a hug. Goes, oh, honey, this is OA. Sometimes the best we can do is get two weeks. And I just thought like that was the message to a newcomer. So how, how are we supporting that? I'll tell you one of the things I love about my home group again is we have a beginners returning members meeting afterwards. We have a breakout room that helps capture those people, especially in January, coming back. And it's a great service position to lead that. It's also a great way in this virtual environment, if you're looking for a sponsee and you don't know how to find that person, here come the cute doggies. Um, then you, you go to this after meeting and you get to see the people who are new who are looking for sponsors. So in this virtual environment, can we create that environment where sponsors and sponsees can find each other? Um, in the sixth tradition, just a couple lines at the end, it says, while an AA group may cooperate with anyone, such cooperation ought never go so far as affiliation or endorsement. Man, that's tough too, right? I mean, I know my po my podcast for my home group's on Podbean. You know, I, I don't know, you know, we're, we're all using Zoom. Like, how do how do we navigate that today? You know, um, I always think of when I hear my, my OA nutritionist, we don't have OA nutritionist, right? Like, we have to be careful about that language that what are we endorsing? And in this virtual environment, we have so many more tools that we have. I mean, podcast alone, I have so many cool podcasts, but I won't share it on a meeting. But if you call me one-on-one, -on -one, I'll tell you what podcast that I find that have some of the old, you know, a lot of the great speakers on there. So it's, again, it's, it's like, you know, what, how can we support these traditions? <clears throat> Tradition seven, uh, fully self-supporting by our voluntary contributions of our own members. Of course, we all know about the money, but the question is too, are you supporting your home group with your own service? Are you volunteering to do service? Are you utilizing your skills? I have to tell you again, you know, I am not a tech person and, you know, all these tech stuff that we need, are, are we stepping up if we have those skills? You know, and I don't, and this is, and this is just for me, we're doing this in my home group right now. That those service positions that are behind the scene that need technical skills, we don't have absence requirements because it's not it's not front facing and there's skills that not everybody has, you know, so are we utilizing those skills? And that kind of goes into um, tradition nine, which we'll go into uh, tradition eight, forever non-professional employ alcoholics where they're going to perform these services for which we might otherwise have to engage non-alcoholics. That's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, the, a lot of tech skills. A lot of the young people that are coming in that can use computers much better than us women and me in my 50s. I was I spoke at a meeting um, in um, in Florida where they had interpreters. Like I spoke and they would mute me and there was three different languages. It was like Spanish, Portuguese, and one other language. I think it was Italian. And so they're all professionals. Again, what opportunities we have, but how do we navigate that um, with that? Um, handling the Zoom bombers, our, our intergroup websites, you know, all that stuff that we need those technical skills for. Uh, tradition nine, least possible organization, rotating leadership is best. You know, I have to tell you this, this is, this was very, this is very uncomfortable for me because my home group, I often hear it referred to as Kim's meeting. It's not my meeting. It's been a meeting around for 30 years 
that before I was even in OA, it's just that I was the one that kind of instigated it going on Zoom, right? But it was it was difficult. Like there was a core group of us that did a lot of the work because it was so new. But now that we're established, are we rotating those service positions? Are we making sure that other people can do it? But in the beginning, a lot of meetings, I mean, when I was intergroup chair a long time ago and someone wanted to start a meeting, one of the suggestions I always made is you need six people to commit for six months because you don't want that meeting to die and be on some meeting list somewhere and people aren't going to show up. And those core six might have to do a lot of service. But once the meeting is established, are you are you rotating those in, all those service positions in? Um, step 10. I mean, um, tradition 10, no opinion on outside issues. I have to tell you, I always said, meant, thought that meant I couldn't trash conventional diet programs. But what I realize now, it also means I can't tout traditional diet programs either. It's positive or negative. Um, you know, I have to tell you, you know, the meetings that our meeting makers make it, there's meetings out there that are big book oriented that don't believe in the, in the, um, in the allergy. And I just want to pull my hair out. But to have no opinion on that. And I remember being in a traditions workshop where an AA guy said, listen, those meeting maker make it meetings, they create desperation in people that when they come to a meeting with depth and weight, they're more willing to do the work. And I have found that with these meetings that don't believe in the allergy, they create a desperation in the real compulsive overeater that when they come into a meeting that believes in the allergy, they're willing to submit to the program a lot better. Um, Let's see, uh, our tradition 11, attraction rather than promotion. You know, this to me is the, is, you know, the podcast, you know, I, I get, I get, I get really uncomfortable. It's like, I'm, it's like I'm a radio personality. Kim G you're from the podcast, Kim G, you know, it's, it's, we have to be really calm. Like I I'm being recorded. I'm Kim G in my home group. When I'm not recorded, I say my full last name. The anonymity is at the level of press, radio, film, and public communication. It's not with each other. You know, we don't want to hide from each other. If I, if you find out that I went in the hospital and you go to the hospital and you say, where's Kim G? They're not going to know where the hell I am, right? So we should be not anonymous to each other. It's just on this level of websites and podcast again. Um, and then last is tradition 12, where it talks about principles before personalities and genuine hum humility. I remember hearing a speaker say that this is the only organization where you start out as a big shot and your goal is to be a humble servant. Like that's, that's the goal to be a worker among workers. When I first spoke at, at, um, at world service one time, someone gave me the idea of my voice, God's words, my voice, God's words. And since we're in, I can't say that another spiritual teacher outside of a way um, she says, I am the faucet. God is the water. So my goal is to keep my pipes as clear as possible so that I can speak to you through my higher power and get my ego out of the way. And the last thing I'm going to say is that there's things that I hear that are traditions that are not traditions. You know, I think we can often use the traditions as a sword as opposed to a shield. So I will hear people say, there's no crosstalk, you're breaking traditions. Crosstalk is not a tradition. It's a group conscience. If you're my meeting specifically wants crosstalk. We have a speaker. We want questions. We want dialogue, right? So it's not a tradition to do crosstalk. That, that, that to me is often, I want to say whatever the hell I want to say and nobody challenge me. I'm going to put all the BS out in the world and you can't say anything. But that, again, is a, is a group conscience. The other one is the mentioning of food. 
I mean, I think it's crazy that we're in our way and we don't mention food. However, that is a tradition. I mean, it is a group conscience and not a tradition. So if someone says to you, you're breaking traditions, you're, you're mentioning foods, you can just simply say, can, has your meeting made a group conscience? Because that's not a tradition. So I think we have to not only know what the traditions are, but what the traditions are not. So with that, I'm at 19 minutes and 20 seconds. And thank you guys so much for your time. Kim, thank you so much. Thank you for your share. We will now open the meeting up for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and Yvonne will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Okay, Sarah, can you set a timer for three minutes for each share? And what Sarah is choosing to do tonight is she's gonna raise her virtual hand when the three minutes is up. Um, and we're just, we're gonna work it that way tonight. Um, all right, so if the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. All right, who would like to share? Okay, Leslie, go ahead. Hi, my name is Leslie. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader. Thank you, Kim. Um, the first time I heard you, I was in Spain and I was uh, the only um, the only meetings I, were, I was getting uh, were uh, recorded. And so I, um, I followed that thread, you know, the, the Zoom thread, the recording thread. And I was so grateful for the people uh, who have that technology background and they give service to the meetings, um, like you suggested. And uh, we were just at the OA birthday party in Los Angeles, some of us, and, um, and the technology that, it, that, it re that was required to, to put that thing on was, uh, really amazing and cool. Um, so I'm a great fan of Zoom. Um, I have not been able to uh, stay abstinent in the prior years um, from many of the things that you mentioned. Uh, I used to run out of meetings if someone talked about their bench foods, like physical meetings. I would run, I would run to the door and leave in the middle of the meeting because I just couldn't take hearing uh, foods that, that made me anxious. And today I have neutrality by the grace of this meeting. This meeting gave me neutrality. Um, I've had it with alcohol for years and years and years, but I never got it until I got to CYOC with food. Could you talk about neutrality a little bit? Would you be willing? Uh, and if you need to frame it in a tradition, go for it. I know you're quite erudite, but um, it would be really cool to hear uh, just, you know, page 85 is is like the holy grail to me. I, I It just makes me uh, feel like there is hope when I recognize that there, that neutrality is possible 
around uh, food. Thank you so much, Kim. So I think what I'll do is I'll define recovered versus recovering because that kind of explains my own history. Recovering to me means I'm hustling for recovery. So I'm making meetings, I'm making phone calls, nothing to do with the steps. I'm in control. I'm avoiding people, places, and things. I'm avoiding my triggers. Triggers. I'm trying not to get too hungry, angry, lonely, tired. It is painful. It is white knuckled. It is, I can't be, you know, see commercials. I can't see billboards, all that kind of stuff. Recovered is the most humble thing I say because recovered means a power greater than myself is doing something for me, which I could never do. How do I get that is the 12 steps. I walk through the steps abstinently. And I'm saying that because many years I walked through the steps in the food and didn't get any effect. So I walked through the steps um, abstinently. And then those neutrality is what I experience on page 84 and 85. That I, that I am in a place of neutrality. I feel safe and protected. The obsession has been removed. I'm not cocky or afraid. I personally, the, this, these two years with the pandemic, my whole world has turned upside down. And part of that is my parents now moved in next door to me. My mom's got dementia. My dad's got Parkinson's. I do all their food shopping. I cook their my binge foods for them. And I do it in service because I don't care. I mean, I feel silly because I forget how to cook my binge foods. You know, and I'm like, that is this okay? I don't know how to, I don't know how to make a hoagie anymore. I haven't had a hoagie in so long. I don't know how to, how do I make a hoagie for you? But it's, it's the idea that I can be around the food and be of service and not be focused on it. And that does not come from abstinence. That comes from the 12 steps. So what I, the way I say it is I've not only been abstinent for 12 years, I've been contently abstinent for 12 years. I hope that helps. Thank you, Leslie, for the question and Kim for the answer. Who else would like to share? Or if you have a question for Kim, you can also ask that. Go ahead, Yvonne. Thanks. Hi, Kim. Um, I'm Yvonne A., a gratefully recovered uh, compulsive overeater for today. Um, and I have a question, actually, because um, we've heard people arrive at this meeting saying, oh, I can't take it. Too many traditions being broken at other meetings. Um, I'm in a WhatsApp chat that was going nuts today with a, a bunch of stuff. And so I just wondered, like, you know, what is our personal responsibility? when traditions are being broken. Um, I'm assuming there isn't a, you know, report traditions.com uh, email address where we send and somebody else takes care of it. Um, so I just wondered, you know, what, what do we do uh, when we're in that situation where um, people are feeling vulnerable because traditions are not being followed? Thank you. I, I was told me to, what I, what I find about a lot of times it's not that traditions are being broken. It's usually people are uncomfortable with group consciences or norms. You know what I mean? So first thing I would say is what traditions are being broken? Because if it's mentioning food, again, that's not a tradition. You know, if people are using profanity, not a tradition. You know, so the question is what do they, what is actually happening and what do they think a tradition is? And again, that each meeting is autonomous. It might be a meeting with a format you're not comfortable with, but it's not breaking a tradition. You know, I mean, we're all timing that we're all timing the uh, shares, right? I can't stand meetings to let people drone on and on and on and on. That's not a tradition. 
That's just a group conscience. So that's the thing I find mostly is that I think a lot of it is we have to educate ourselves on what the traditions are. We need to be active listeners to see what their concerns are and let them know it's not a tradition. And if their concerns are um, everybody's in relapses drive me crazy. Oh, let me tell you some strong meetings. Or, you know, I, don't, I hate this big book. It's really annoying me. Oh, let's look for some meetings to study other literature. So I think a lot of it is just not to be reactive, but to actively listen and also educate ourselves and the other person about what is a tradition break and what is not. Does that make sense, Yvonne? Thank you. Thanks, Kim. All right, Wendy S., you are up. Hi, uh, everyone. Wendy S. Hi, Kim. I don't get sick of you at all and I see three days a week now. <laughs> Um, so, uh, thank you so much for that. It was really like clear and informative. Um, and there's something, uh, well, the good thing about this meeting is we don't have a group conscious around, um, food stuff or, and I apologize, Elaine, I didn't listen to everything you said tonight, but I don't think we have one around crosstalk either. Cause the premise of this meeting is also to ask questions to the speaker. Um, my, I guess question for you is, is I guess it it's more about uh, principles over personalities. The the thing that bothers me, and it could be just my defects of character that I have to deal with, is when um, people share after a speaker, and it's this you know three minute profuse thank you, gratitude, you're amazing, I love you, we're best friends kind of thing. And I'm wondering if you can um, speak to something like that. And there's also uh, like the the thing about um, like little notices go out. Oh, so-and-so is speaking tonight, come, you know. So I don't know if you have anything to say about those things as well. Um, I think one of the things, but it's okay to be uncomfortable. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like every share, you know, and I know that I went gaga over people in the beginning too. And I'm grateful that no one ever confronted me on it. You know what I mean? That let me go through my process the first couple of years and how I feel at the five years and how I feel at the 10 years is different. So I think we need to let people go through what their processes are. Um, you know, I have to say, once again, I think sometimes we use anonymity as a way to have a secret society. And we're not supposed to be anonymous to each other. So I don't see any problem with putting names on flyers. I mean, I'm grateful, especially with, I'm not an AA member, but I love listening to AA podcasts. I'm so glad they tell me who the speakers are because I like those strong speakers and I want to hear them. So I don't think that's, you know, to me, it's the message more than anything else. So I don't, yeah, people can, um, you know, worship people, but I, th I think we need to let everyone go through their thing. Um, you know, the other thing, this is, and this is not what you asked, but this is one of the things that annoys me with anonymity. You need to get a sponsor. The best thing you have to do is get a sponsor. You got to talk to recovered people. Can you tell me who your sponsor is? Oh no, I can't break her anonymity. That's not anonymity. You're telling people they have to find strong people with recovery and then you're not letting them know who your sponsor is and who you sponsor. Like, I think we take it way too far. If there's people that touch people's heart, you know, I'm a big Peter M person with AA. Thank God that I can go on websites and find out where Peter M is talking because he touches my heart. So I, I think sometimes we go overboard on that. It's not the personality to me, it's the message. 
And we should be letting people know who the recovered people are. Um, and I know that OA doesn't doesn't allow that. And again, to me, that's not a tradition break. It's just a, it's just a a decision that AA has made for one reason or another, or an intergroup or a region has made that you can't put names on on um, you know, on flyers or something like that. But it's not a tradition thing. It's just to me, it's almost like a a custom thing with that. But I wish more people. It's not anonymity to say who your sponsor is. I wish more people would do that. I wish more people, you know, would say that. And that's what I instruct people to do. If, if you like some the way someone speaks, call them up and ask them who their mentors are. Ask them who they talk to. Because if you like the way that they speak, probably the people they hang around with are focused on the same thing. And if we tell people that we can't tell you who I talk to, I mean, I don't know. I just It just seems silly to me. That's it. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Sarah. Amazing, Kim. Thank you. Big Book 164, you are up. Hi, I'm Annabelle. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I don't know why it says Big Book 164. Thank you so much, Kim. It's it's hard to wrap up 12 traditions in whatever that was, 20 minutes. Um, I actually have a question, and it's relating to... Um, you know, the whole idea of tradition 10 out being outside issues. And um, so here's the thing is I discovered a new meeting and I really like the meeting. Um, it's at a good time of day for me, great recovery on it, but there's this, the, there's this thing they read and it it's like drills in that compulsive overeating is not an allergy. Compulsive overeating is not an allergy. I, I've never heard this before. And um, you mentioned something like meetings where they don't believe in the allergy. And I'm like, that must be what she's talking about. And so to me, if we're going to, if, if Overeaters Anonymous is modeled after Alcoholics Anonymous, and it, it's just that the allergy is manifested differently, but I, I don't know if to me, that's like, like entirely wrong. Yet there's a lot of people who are like coming in and believing this. So along with what that other gal earlier was asking is when is it our responsibility to just step up and say, because, I, you know, and say that that's just wrong. I mean, because I, because I believe it's wrong or is it wrong? Because the big book's really clear on, we have an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. And so to, anyway, I wanted to say that because a lot of times it's like an, oh, that's an outside issue. It's like, but you're teaching that. So anyway, the other thing with outside issues in tradition 10, can you come, can you, sometimes I feel, I, I think it's just the discomfort thing you're referring to. And I'm totally fine with feeling uncomfortable with what people share. And if I don't really like how they run their meeting, it's like, fine, I won't go back or I'll just deal with it because the recovery there is great. But that whole thing with the with the not being an allergy, I'm like, well, why would I need, anyway, it doesn't make any sense to me, but this whole thing of, um, some people will talk about their religion. And as soon as the name of the religion, you got muted, Annabelle. Okay, sorry. As soon as the person, I'll make this quicker. Um, as soon as the person mentions their organization religion, they say, oh, that's an outside issue. And I'm like, 
But is it? Because the whole big book talks about whatever, you know, it talks about men of religion. It talks about, you know, whatever your uh, childhood faith was and, you know, whatever it is, be it Buddhism or Hindu or Christianity or Judaism. Like, um, anyway, could you touch on that? Because I feel like people are cut off a lot sharing about their experience with how they're connecting with their higher power. And they're cut off and saying like, oh, that's an outside issue because they don't want other people to feel uncomfortable. I don't know if you could touch on those things. So the, the non-allergy thing, um, I hate to say it, but with OA's definition of abstinence, the big it's wrong to the big book, but I don't know if it's wrong to OA. And that's why I get so frustrated with it. Um, the rationale I've actually heard is that AA, OA was not, did not come from AA, came from GA and GA is just a behavior. Therefore, we don't have to abstain from any specific foods. That's the rationale I often hear and they don't study the, the big book. Um, the language that I was taught through a speaker, Bob D, is I'm the kind of compulsive overeater that. So if I'm in a meeting and I'm hearing a lot of stuff about not the allergy, I just feel it's my obligation not to tell them they're wrong, but to tell them my truth. Well, I'm the kind of compulsive overeater that I do have to abstain from specific foods because I have a phenomenon of craving that's described in the big book. If that resonates with anybody, please give me a call. Because they have a right to do whatever they do, but I worry about the people in there that do have the allergy. So the question is, how can I not attack the group and tell my truth? So I've learned to use language about me versus what they're doing with it wrong. Um, as far as the religion, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with mentioning your, I'm a Catholic school kid. I always talk about being a Catholic school kid and, and all that stuff. Um, where I'm uncomfortable again, and once again, I don't know if it's a tradition break. So I just, I just say here, I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with a lot of specialty groups. So if, if a group was saying this is a Hindu OA meeting or a Christian OA meeting, you know, I just get nervous when we separate ourselves. We're not less or more a compulsive overeater by the religion we practice, whether we're a hundred pounder or a bulimic or anorexic, whether we're gay or straight or, or whatever. But I, but of course I'm in the minority. I mean, I'm in the majority, you know, I'm a white woman who's been fat and I'm, and I'm straight. So like, I, maybe that's why I don't want to do that. And maybe the people who are, you know, gay and black and bulimic need to have that commonality. But I worry about that. But again, it's the tradition they can they can do that. But as far as the, you know, we don't endorse a specific religion. I don't I don't know. I've never seen a Christian OA meeting, and I don't know if that would break a tradition. But I don't think mentioning your religion or anything. I just I just would get like we're not supposed to use outside literature. So if you want to talk about the quote from the Quran or the quote from the Bible, that might get a little dicey. But I often find I make a bigger deal out of it if I say something than if I just let it go. So again, I think we, uh, that's where 10 and 11 comes in to see where we feel, what we feel comfortable with. Thanks, Kim. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Yvonne, can you please stop the recording?